If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Now, last week we left off there in Romans chapter 12. In, uh, we caught up to verse 3, and we'll, we'll pick up again there at verse 3. The Lord willing, the Lord enabling, we'll get down to uh, verse 8. Now, before we begin, allow me to make this brief introduction. Beloved, every believer, every blood-bought believing sinner has experienced the transforming power of God and that salvation by the grace and purpose of God given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You see, beloved, our Heavenly Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. And that's by the transforming power of God and the salvation of our soul. Remember, Paul said, when God was pleased to save him, Christ wasn't merely revealed to him, but ever so blessedly in him. And that's being made a new creature in Christ. The Apostle writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, God forbid, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. He's basically summing up the gospel. It's not what you stop doing or start doing. <laughs> Christ is all. He's all of our salvation. And the Apostle Peter also speaks about this as believers having received a divine nature. You see, beloved, we have been made partakers of the divine nature through Christ. Indeed, exceeding great and precious promises are given unto us, that by these gospel promises we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And, beloved, that's by the new birth, being born from above into his kingdom. Remember, our Lord declares... Except ye be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so being made a new creature in Christ, we are therefore made to have low thoughts of self, and we have high thoughts and right thoughts about God Almighty. And we also esteem others better than ourselves. The apostle writes in Philippians chapter 2, Beloved, let nothing be done. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves, better than we would our own self. You see, God, by His grace, has implanted in the believer a willingness to serve Him. And we do serve Him, not because we have to, but because we want to. Now, why do we want to serve Him? Why do we want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, because, beloved, He's made us willing in the day of His power. And so we serve Him. And not out of a spirit of bondage or some indifferent duty or drudgery, 
but rather, beloved, we serve him out of love and gratitude for him that bought us and washed us in his own blood. You see, my friend, it's the love of Christ that constrains us. That's how, that's why we serve the Lord. And beloved, we serve the Lord by serving one another in the body of Christ. Uh, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read this to you. It's, this is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I plead, I, I plead, I, I beg you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You see, each and every believer is in the body of Christ. And so each and every believer is in the ministry to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That is to serve his purpose and to serve his glory to the furtherance of the gospel of God concerning his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, Romans 12, uh, verse 3, the apostle writes there, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that's to every believing man and woman. This is speaking to God's elect, God's people. Verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. In effect, he's saying all members have not the same function. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, And this is uh, beginning in verse 12. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. He writes there, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it has pleased him. All right, back to Romans chapter 12, picking up where we left off. Again, uh, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. Now notice, Paul keeps emphasizing how that we're one in Christ and everyone members one of another. And this is referring to all believers 
of all ages making up the body of Christ. We're called his church, his bride. Indeed, beloved, we are his jewels, his elect, the elect he hath chosen from the beginning unto salvation. You see, beloved, we are his by his choice. And so we are members, therefore, one of another. We serve one purpose, one goal, one Lord, and we are joined together in one body. Indeed, we are one in Christ. Christ is our head and we are the body. Indeed, we have been put into the body of Christ, made members of his body by his sovereign grace. And each member of his body, well, they make up the elect of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, he loved us and gave himself for us. Beloved, it's of him, it's of our heavenly father that we're in Christ, for God has made him to be our all and in all. Believing sinner of God, He's all you need, all the wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption you need is found in him. And beloved, we are one in him. Now, if you would uh, turn back to 1 Corinthians again, again, chapter 12. Now, while you're turning there, let me remind you of what our Lord said in his great priestly prayer for his people. This is recorded for us in John chapter 17. He prayed, Father, the glory which thou gave me, I've given to them, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Beloved, we are one in Christ. And what's true of our head, it's true of us, his body. He said, the Father loves the Son, and he loves all those that are in him. And we read there in, again, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We read this before. Well, I'd like to read it to you again. But now, this verse 18, hath God set the members, every one of them. See, God has set the members. This is nothing to do with you or me. This is God's doing. God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And beloved, we're in him by his sovereign grace, and we serve him as he has placed us in his body, and we are members one of another. Now, returning to Romans chapter 12, now looking there, verse 6 through to verse 8, again back in Romans chapter 12, the apostle writes, having then gifts, and beloved, we know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, and temperance. And so having then these sovereign gifts of God differing according to the grace that is given to us. And beloved, any gift we have is by the gift of His grace. We say with the Apostle, I am what I am by the grace of God. And so having then these sovereign gifts of God differing according to the grace that is given to us, Paul then mentions seven things. He writes, whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith. Verse 7. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. 
He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now here the apostle gives us a description of some of these gifts. Now these are not all of the gifts, but seven are mentioned. And these gifts are sovereignly given to whom the Lord will, according to the measure of his grace, according to the measure of his purpose. And so therefore we would be eager and willing to use what God has given unto us to serve him. Now, beloved, each and every one of us have been put into the body of Christ and given the gifts that are mentioned here to serve his purpose. Now, the first thing Paul mentions in verse 6 is prophecy or uh, preaching. Now, back in the Old Testament time, before the written word of God was as widely distributed as it is today, God raised up certain prophets and he gave them the message. What's the message? Beloved Christ and him crucified is the message. Remember to him, to the Lord Jesus Christ, give all the prophets witness. Every prophet in the Old Testament bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every preacher called of God and put into the ministry, well, they have the same exact message. Salvation by Christ and salvation in Christ. And so, beloved, let us declare it according to the measure of faith that God has given unto us. For it pleased God by the preaching of the gospel to call out his people, to feed his people. My believing friend, we're to feed the church of God, we're to feed his people, which he purchased with his own blood and body, with Christ and him crucified. And so when we prophesy... When we preach, let us do so with the measure of faith given unto us. Now, Paul said, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Or that is, we know in part and we preach in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. That is, God has revealed to us that which we plainly declare to you. Now, our, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, he spoke about this when he spoke to Nicodemus. He said, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven except by water and the spirit. You can have all the clean water, all the word of truth, but unless God is pleased to quicken it, 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 it will not be effectual in the salvation of a man or a woman. God must quicken us by his spirit. We must be born from above. Every time I read that portion in John chapter 3, it's, it's a very solemn portion. And it ought to give us a, a reverent fear of the Lord because we, we, we can't birth ourselves. <laughs> and we cry out, Lord, um, save me. Even mature believers, we say that because this is not something to be flippant with. This is not something to be presumptuous with. This We run to our prayer closet and we cry out, Lord, behold me. <laughs> You're the one that must set me in the way of life everlasting. Set me in the way, the truth, and the life of your darling son. And I trust by the time you're already crying that out, <laughs> he's already done a work in you. What does God's word say? No one can call him Lord except by the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit, beloved, that you are indeed his child. 
Now, this, uh, this business, rather, of, of preaching. Um, Paul's speaking here about this, this gift of, of prophecy or, or this gift of preaching the gospel. And so, with the ability that God has given to that man, he is called and put into the ministry of Christ. Now, throughout the Word of God, you'll notice that what's emphasized is that those he sends to preach the gospel are men. We read in John's Gospel, chapter 1, and speaks, speaking there of John the Baptist, a man sent of God. Remember Philip? He was a man sent from God. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go. You see, God doesn't call women to preach the gospel. Rather, he calls men and puts them into the ministry. I remember um, in the preacher's class, we had a visiting pastor, and he made this remark, and I, it, it caught my ear, and it's, it's a good remark to remember this. I can recognize a false prophet, a false preacher, and they don't even have to, have to open up their mouth. Not one syllable has to come out of their mouth, and I'll know they're a false prophet. If you see any woman behind a pulpit in a church preaching to a collection of believers, men and women, you don't even have to hear a word they say. That's a false prophet. You see, God will not bless that which is contrary to his word. God will send his man with his message, and he'll use his means. What do we read there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? It pleased God <laughs> through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, preaching is foolishness to those who perish. Indeed, that's what the Word of God says. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. But to those God saves, it is the power of God. And so we, we take this business of preaching very serious. Now, if you would... Uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. As you're turning there, I'll, I'll just continue and, and say that all those who are called of God and given this gift of preaching the gospel, well, they all preach the same message. They all preach Christ and Him crucified. Indeed, whenever you find God's servant called and put into the ministry of God, well, they all preach the same message. Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And in Ephesians chapter 3, the apostle writes there, beginning in verse 7, Whereof I was made a minister. He wasn't a self-made man. He was a man sent of God. He didn't send himself. God sent him. Wherefore, I was, a, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. There's that gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working. I love this. The effectual working not of your power or my power, but his power. Verse 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus, the Lord. Paul said we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. And then Paul says right before he was executed for the gospel, he wrote back to Timothy and he 
said, I charge thee, young Timothy, I charge thee, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, preach the word. Preach the word. Now notice the first gift mentioned here is that of prophecy, this gift of preaching the gospel. And remember, beloved, it pleased God for the preaching of the gospel to call out his people. And so we put much emphasis upon the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Verse by verse, line by line, precept by precept, because God will bless his word to his sheep. They will hear it and they will follow Christ. Now, the second thing Paul mentions here is ministry. Now, this speaks of serving the Lord. And so this is speaking of every believer that he puts into this ministry. I love what Paul writes there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beloved, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, this ministry, not my ministry, not your ministry, this ministry, the ministry of Christ. As we have received mercy, we faint not. And so because of his grace and mercy, we faint not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, being made a faithful servant unto the Lord's people. And beloved, every believer has been given the gift of service, service unto the Lord. You know, it's a high title to be known and called a servant of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul often referred to himself as the servant of the Lord. And he was a willing, loving, bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know who else is called the servant of the Lord? We read in Isaiah chapter 42, and this is speaking of Christ. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. And we know that speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's beloved, well-pleasing, darling son. He's called the servant of God. You see, that's a high title to be known as the servant of the Lord, to be in the ministry to serve his people. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11, we read, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. I'm so thankful for that little word there, many. Not a few, not everyone, but blessed be the Lord, he shall justify many fallen sons of Adam. We read in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, our Lord declaring, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, he came to serve his people and to serve his Father and to complete the work of God given him to do. But again, notice, he came to minister and to give his life a ransom payment for the sins of many. And then Paul writes to the church in Corinth, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15, speaking of those, and, and again, this is speaking of ministry, of service. He spoke of those who have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, that's a good addiction to have. Now, when we usually think of addiction, we think of it in a, a negative way that... Uh, and, and that's because many are addicted not to things that build, but rather they're addicted to things that tear down and destroy, like addictions to drugs, 
But it's a good thing to be addicted to serving Christ. And that's why Paul uh, was speaking uh, there in 1 Corinthians, speaking of those who had addicted themselves to the, the ministry of the saints. Now, that's a good thing to be addicted to. It's a strange, when we read that, it's strange. You know, it's like addicted. I thought that's just for negative stuff. But it's a good thing, beloved, to be addicted to serving one another. Um, and I, I hope you'll get this, not, not because we have to, <laughs> because we love to. And that's how we serve our Lord. It's by serving one another and being members of one another. Now, in verse 7, Paul speaks here of ministry. Ministry, let us wait on our ministering. That is, let us wait upon the Lord. He will show us where, how, and when it is that we're to serve him. And then the third thing Paul mentions, he that teacheth on teaching. Now, what do we teach? Well, we teach the word, do we not? We teach the word. And those who are taught of God teach the word. Remember, our Lord said, all those who have heard and learned of the Father, they come to me. They come to Christ. And those who have been taught of God desire to teach others what the Lord has taught them. Teaching the Word. Teaching the doctrine of the Word. The doctrine of Christ. It is very often the experience, I believe, of believers who love the gospel, who want other people to know what they know. <laughs> they will get um, asked this question invariably. Just because they want to talk about the Lord, they're gossiping about the Lord. Hey, did you know the Lord didn't say that? The Lord said that. Uh, you'll get accused of being a preacher, I'm sure. Are you a, are you a pastor? Are you a preacher? Um, and that starts early on, I believe, in, 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 in the lives of, of, of believers. Uh, well, that's maybe just my experience. <laughs> maybe not everybody's. But um, we just, it just leaks out. That's all I can say. <laughs> Um, you'll find yourself in a conversation and uh, it's about uh, this, that, or the other thing and you'll find yourself pretty quick to, on something maybe more important. And uh, there's no formula for this. What did our Lord teach us in, his, in, in, in the gospel? I believe uh, he spoke to his disciples and said, when they bring him before kings and magistrates, um, don't write down some script. Don't prepare what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And I, I'm pretty certain what that means is the Word of God that gets hidden in your heart, you're just going to repeat what God's Word says. You're not going to have your own take on it. <laughs> now, so then those who have been taught of God desire to teach others what the Lord has taught them. And, and that is the doctrine of Christ. Now, I've heard this description many times. I first heard it in Spanish, and, and uh, it's worth repeating again in English. It's a fitting description of what believers do when we put our foot in our mouth when we talk about the gospel. It's just uh, one beggar telling another beggar where he's found food and drink, where he's found the living bread and the living water. And this is speaking about Christ Jesus the Lord. My friend, that's what preaching and teaching the gospel is all about. 
Um, I don't have this reference in my notes, but I always get great encouragement looking at this portion in Acts chapter 8, if you turn there with me. I don't know if I'll be able to find all of the references here that I have in my mind. There's just two references that come to mind about this man, Philip. Well, in verse 25, we see they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And so what do you suppose is going to happen when the angel of the Lord sends Philip to this man from Ethiopia, this eunuch? Well, we look there at verse 35. I, I love this. This is what preaching is all about. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. This is opening our mouth. We're not preaching doctrine. <laughs> We're not preaching uh, some pet theological position. We're preaching nothing more than what our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, said. In John chapter 3, verse 16, you want to hear some preaching? You're going to hear some preaching. Beginning there at verse 5. Jesus answered, speaking to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, Nicodemus, that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the servant, ser serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look and live, beloved. Just look and live. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 9, Apostle writes, Now that he ascended, 
what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up for far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, Paul is speaking here about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking about his death, speaking about his resurrection glory, and, beloved, we're ascended up on high with him. And he gave some apostles. Now, there are no apostles today, but the word actually means those who are sent of God. And God still calls men and sends them to preach the gospel. And he continues saying how God gave some prophets, those who were sent to preach the gospel, and some evangelists, those who were blessed and gifted to travel and preach the gospel. And he gave some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Beloved, God will bless the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word, and God will bless those who serve in his cause. Now, the fourth thing Paul mentions back here in our portion in Romans 12, verse 8, the apostle writes, he that exhorteth on exhortation. In effect, Paul is saying, he that would exhort, let him wait on this thing of exhorting. That is, when giving a word of encouragement to one another, perhaps a word of comfort in the time of trial, or perhaps a word of warning in the time of chastisement. Isaiah writes, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Now, sometimes we need to be comforted and uplifted. And at other times, we need to warn one another, do we not? We read in Hebrews chapter 3, there in verse 12, the apostle gives us a, a word of exhortation, writing, Take heed, brethren, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And in chapter 10, he gives us another word of exhortation, writing, Beloved, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works, and not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And he writes again in Hebrews 3, a further word of exhortation, saying, Beloved, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. You see, beloved, we're to exhort one another to persevere in the faith. Now look back in our portion. Once again, Romans 12, verse 8. And we've already looked at exhortation, and then he mentions the fifth thing. 
He that giveth, that is, he that imparteth, let him do it with simplicity, or that is, let him do it with liberality, with a genuous, or, or rather a spirit of uh, generosity and a right attitude. It's a blessing to be blessed of God and then have a willingness to give. Indeed, God loveth a cheerful giver. And beloved, it's a blessing to give and to encourage one another. He that giveth, let him do it with a generous willingness in his heart. And beloved, let's give without calling attention to ourselves. Now, though religion is plagued with those who like to call attention to themselves, but that's not after Christ. That's, that's not after Christ. You see, Christ is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, not some things, in all things, he might have the preeminence. So we're not going to start putting up family names on the pews. I've heard some places do that. You know, they're a little spot reserved and they put an engraving and plaque with their name or, you know, we're not going to start engraving church members' names in the bricks of this place. Beloved, we're to give in such a way as to not let the right hand know what the left hand does as we give unto the Lord. You see, we do it in an anonymous way. That's why we can have a box in the corner of our entrance. You can go by that box and you can put your gift in there. I love that, by the way, that that box is right over there in the corner. It's not up here in the front, and uh, we're not got a bag on a pole. <laughs> uh, maybe some of you have not experienced that, but uh, I remember back in my days uh, when I was a young man, we went to a Roman Catholic building, and they had about a 10-foot pole, a 15-foot pole, and they would just... <laughs> uh, uh, that's sort of the antithesis of uh, giving as you purposed, you know, or giving without obligation. That sounds a lot like you're being obligated. But uh, it's so good that we see the way the Lord is blessing um, his people here. We believe his word, and so we should see things that give evidence of his word. You know, what does it say in uh, Galatians chapter 5? Uh, I could try and quote it from memory, but I'd rather read it. <laughs> it's such a word of encouragement. If you, Galatians chapter 5. Beloved, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of religious bondage, with the yoke of law. And so we're not going to start up anything anytime soon by putting up uh, family names and bricks and such. And I know everyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel and his people are very glad about that. <laughs> and so the point is, when we share with others what the Lord has put into our hand, supporting the ministry of the gospel, we do not give to be seen of men. My believing friend, don't blow your trumpet. Don't sound the trumpet about how much you are able to give or when you give. Our Lord said, freely you have received, freely give. It's more blessed to give, is it not? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Indeed, it's a blessing to be able to give. And my friend, God's people are cheerful, willing givers. 
He that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, that is, with a generous heart, a willing heart. And then he mentions, he that ruleth, let him do it with diligence. Let him do it faithfully as unto the Lord. What a privilege and responsibility God has given unto you, whether it be in the church or whether it be in your home. The responsibility God has given you to be a father or a mother, that's a big responsibility. And so, beloved, let us do so with diligence as unto the Lord, labor out of love and gratitude for what he's done for us. Whether it's a church office, whether it's a home office or on the job, let us lead others in a way that's honoring to the gospel of God. And so, beloved, we are um, responsible unto the Lord. And what I mean by that is we're accountable unto the Lord. And we are to serve him, for that's our, as we've been reading in this chapter, that's our reasonable service. And then the last thing that Paul says forth here in the last part of verse 8, he writes, how that he that showeth mercy, he that shows mercy, let him, what's it say there? He that showeth mercy, let him show it with cheerfulness. Now, how do you show mercy? Mercy is something that needs to be demonstrated. You know, somebody can say, well, I know I'm a merciful person. Well, then show me you're merciful. You know how to show mercy? It's by loving and forgiving everyone who has sinned against you. Love one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's a real fearful thing when you see an unforgiving, I don't know what to call it, manifestation um, in someone who professes Christ. It's troubling. Uh, and uh, I know things can be really hard on the flesh. They can be. But in Christ, we can do all things. Um, I'm so glad that I hear in the gospel of my salvation that my Lord and God uh, doesn't remember all of my rebellion, doesn't remember any of my sins or my transgressions and all the ugliness that I am. What do we read in Hebrews Two times he is, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 10. This is not in my notes. So this is always, always fun to do this. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. See if I can find that. But it's such a blessing to hear how that our Lord and God has forgiven and forgotten. But because of this carcass we carry around all the time, sometimes we, we well, most of the time we don't forget. But Lord, teach us. Show us afresh your mercy and grace and teach us to be, make us gracious, make us merciful. As we just read there, forgiving one another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now in he Hebrews chapter 10, we read there, 
verse 17. I love this. This is by the, the body and blood of our never-failing Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear the triune God speaking here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. What good news. What good news. Just to stay there and think of the beloved. We are in the sight of God, in Christ, without spot, without wrinkle, unblameable, in Christ before our Heavenly Father. And we see here this characteristic of true mercy. He that showeth mercy, let him show mercy with a cheerful heart, a grateful heart. Does someone think to themselves, I'm going to show mercy, but I'm not going to like it. My friend, that's not showing mercy. Paul writes, let him show mercy with a cheerful heart. As the Lord has been merciful to us, beloved, so we ought to be merciful to others. In Luke chapter 6, verse 36, our Lord declares, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Just how merciful has God been to us? How, just how merciful has God been to us? Beloved, it's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. And so let us demonstrate to others and treat others as the Lord has blessed us according to the gift of His grace. My friend, it is more blessed to help others than to be in need of help. It's better to help others. And they do so because His people love to show mercy. And they labor and work because they love the gospel of God. Indeed, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's the apostle speaking about there in verse 1? There in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, it's only reasonable to serve the Lord. It is, is it not? And beloved, we do not serve him to be saved but because we already have been out of love and gratitude we serve him gladly and so you see it's only reasonable to serve the lord by helping one another in matthew chapter 25 when the lord separated his sheep from the goats he said to those sheep come blessed of my father inherit the kingdom of god prepared for you from the foundation of the world and then he said, I was in prison, you came to me. I was hungry, you fed me. He said that to the righteous and in all these different things. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. And remember, they said, Lord, when did we do that to you? Listen to what he says. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Now, beloved, just think about that the next time you're blessed to be a blessing to someone else. That's how we serve the Lord, beloved, by being a blessing to someone else. And so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, our ministry, let us wait on our ministering 
or he that teacheth or on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Amen.